Welcome to the Vaudacity. Today, we have <laughs> probably the most famous person oh, God. that I've ever had on this show. She's been on TV, she's been in movies, and probably other things. Just barely. Um, give it up for Anjali Pal. <laughs> what other things? <laughs> I don't know. Radio? Cartoons? I don't know. Eh, you know. Did I say your name right? Anjali? <clears throat> you know that you didn't. <laughs> it's Anjali. Okay. <coughs> pal? Pal? Is that... Oh my god. You There's no you. There's no you in <laughs> in team. You're right about that. There is no you in team. So nicely done. You have been acting for how long? Uh, is this something that you started when you were like a kid or uh, like were you in school plays or anything like that? Yeah, no, I started when I was oh gosh, third or fourth grade. Yeah, so we were just doing after-school stuff, um, <laughs> singing and, and dancing and, and, and acting, and I really um, enjoyed it, and it was something I was good at, mm -hmm. so I just sort of kept that up. Uh, then I went to college and was just interested in doing completely different things and uh, um, just having fun, like... Doing the thing on the side. Um, doing acting on the side? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you meant. <laughs> there, was, uh, there was actually a group at the University of Virginia called First Year Players, and it was um, it was a very cultish group, uh -huh. I say, with love. Isn't that um, how most like theater troops kind of are? I guess, you know, when I found out that um, that I'd been like, we were doing a funny thing happen on the way to the forum. When I found out that I made the cast list for that, it's when they started uh, slamming their fists on my door at 3 a.m. They did this whole, like, hazing thing, mm -hmm. um, which was which was kind of nuts and very serious. So they, they like, attempted to kidnap you to bring, tell you about that you made the cast list? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was it was really cool because as the years went on, you know, I, I did a semester where I was social chair mm -hmm. with them, so we got to throw some weird parties and stage. I think I staged a um, a walk off um, that was the culmination of um, an online fight between <laughs> two other people in the community that I like kind of coaxed them into doing publicly. Was this uh, pre Facebook? Yes, this so was pre-Facebook. was this like live journal? Or? No, this was a... <laughs> no, we had a, we had a mailing list. Remember those? Yeah, yeah. Where like, you know, 200 people would be on the same list. I was on an Animorphs mailing list when I was uh, 10 years old. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to know all the scoops on who was turning into what animal. So we're like... <laughs> So we're like... Why, were you on the same animal? No, 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 I was not. Um, so so what was it like the... Was it like the people who were doing the morphing were like writing in? And no, it was like fans just being like, this is what we've got from Scholastic Books because we looked on the Scholastic <laughs> website, you know, like... So none of the animals were chiming in? No, it was... That was the thing about the early internet that I was... You know, I would go online and I would just like kind of look at the pictures and I would download like book covers to my computer 
and that was it there was no like games or anything and uh you know it was i thought i don't know i'm pretty sure the only reason we got a computer was because someone must have told my dad it's like a pornography machine <laughs> <laughs> like that's the only reason i i swear it's probably why we got a computer but uh go so the fight was on the mailing list <laughs> Or yeah, no, I I, I I talked these these two ridiculous human beings um, into um, like goading each other into a fight on the mailing list, um, and then uh, we staged a, a walk off because it was like only a couple years after um, after what the hell was the name of that movie? Um, Zoolander yeah came out. Um. Yeah, just ridiculous stuff like that. But uh, no, we. But I'm confused. What? What? When you say you, you staged a walk off because of Zoolander, I what do you? What I, do you mean? I think it was Zoolander. What was the movie? Were you? What was the play that you were walking off from? No. Or am I confused about what a walk off <laughs> oh, is? Wow. Oh, no, oh yeah. like a model walk off well, type model of thing. Walk off. I thought yeah. it was kind of like. A, like a walk out but instead you walk off because you're on a stage uh. so you guys are all like we're gonna protest this play that we're in we don't like it yeah anymore. i'm not really telling a very strong narrative here but no it was it was cool um you know we did a lot of really weird stuff um as i guess most theater troops do um you know i got to i got to haze some people myself uh as the years went on and it was a really great experience um but uh, on the side of that, you know, I uh, kind of incidentally signed up for like a um, script analysis course for graduate students, mm-hmm. um, for, for people who are getting graduate degrees as directors and theater designers and playwrights. Um, and I sort of fell in love with the process of analyzing scripts as, mm-hmm. a, as a dramaturg. Um, which is a term that you know a lot of people don't really hear that often. Uh, you can uh, you can define it a number of different ways, and people who practice as dramaturgs do. Um, but uh, you know, a dramaturg I-, I like to think of as well. First, you're a you're a scholar of um, performance right. in a way, um, and I like to think of them as like a conceptual consultant when it comes to working on a show so mm-hmm. you're going to do a bunch of research for the director and you're going to be there you'll, you'll get a good sense of what their vision is um you know what story they're trying to tell with the text uh what ideas they really want to get across to the audience what they what they want the audience to experience and and you're there you know through the whole design process um and through you know the rehearsal process to sort of make sure that like everything is is on track mm-hmm. um and, uh, you know, uh, I had a wonderful time doing that sort of thing. I had a, uh, the professor of that uh, class, you know, brought me into a bunch of drama department shows. And um, I worked with her as a dramaturg on the side for a number of different shows. And, um, I, you know, it's so that was just going to be a thing that I did on the side. And then something super weird happened that made me actually want to become an actor actor. Um, what was it? <laughs> what was it? Um, I, the, summer- should we go to commercial break? Hold on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We don't have commercials. <laughs> not yet. No one's giving us any money to do this sort no, of thing. Not yet. Uh, 
so the summer before my senior year, I went up to New York City um, to train as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I auditioned for a bunch of programs. I got into one of them. I was super excited. I was going to do clowning. I was going to do like voice and movement and, you know, Shakespeare and all this stuff. Um, is clowning an uh, ancient art form? Is that, <laughs> or is it more of a recent modern? I think I've, I, it's it's been around for. I, I mean, is, is the clown an evolution of the court jest court jester from the well, olden you days? Know, or? When I think of clowning, I, I think it's more out of the um, the like commedia dell'arte tradition. Um, What's that? <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, uh, when you think of like. Uh, restoration drama when you think of um uh back to god i'm doing a horrible job of talking about any of this <laughs> um you were supposed to do research on your own life before you got here you know that right uh no but uh community arte is a it's a it's a it's a type of theater that's born out of um a theater of archetypes mm-hmm. so you've got you know um the the like the raunchy slave, the Arlecchino, um, you know, you've got the, the clever, overworked, um, you know, uh, female uh, servant, the Arlecchina, you've got the, you know, the, the lecherous old man, you've got the, um, you know, the Capitano, the, 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 the really macho uh, captain guy who's actually a coward, you've got... Um, you know, the lovers, you mm-hmm. have all these, you know, the doctor, il doctore, all these different archetypes um, who come together to uh, do things like Lazzi, which is, you know, like a um, like a, a physical gag, right? Like a, like a little skit where, you know, like let's say, you know, a guy is trying to put a stamp on an envelope but the stamp is really sticky and it gets stuck to his hand. Uh-huh. Um, and so he's trying to put it on the envelope, but then it gets stuck to his, you know, it, it falls off on the ground and he goes to pick it up um, and he falls and it gets on his forehead and he's trying to find, you know, like uh, like a physical, like a long extended sort mm-hmm. of physical gag. So I, I, I think that there's, there's a couple different ways to think about clowning. There's one that's, you know, um, someone who's just really um, sort of, physically great with creating sort of comedy and the other is to really sort of tap into um like the very unfiltered childlike uh truth of yourself Mm -hmm. the bit that has weird and crazy impulses um and train yourself not to um not to stop those impulses um but to just constantly um, be following the impulses of your like childlike center, um, and the you know that kind of clowning um, is very hard to do, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it it can be very beautiful, it can be very sad, it can be very funny. Um, and I don't know, I guess that was that's been a practice, uh, you know, in that 
version around for a couple hundred years. Uh, it's been it's been too long since I've been doing enough reading right. about. Uh, but you, you have a master's in fine arts, right? That's as an actor. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, but so okay, so I so I went to New York. Oh right, yeah. And I, so... and I joined the studio, <laughs> and one of the classes was mask work, and it was like these Balinese masks. Um, and the idea was, and the, the guy who taught the class, Perbra, wonderful guy, um, really knows his stuff. Um, he'll be the first to tell you that there's nothing magical about any of these masks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's, there's, there's no magic that's imbued upon you when you put them on. But the idea, the tradition, is that you, know, you, you view the mask, you breathe it in, um, you consider it, it considers you, you put it on your face and you breathe it in. And the, the spirit of what that mask is about mm-hmm. sort of um, like imbues your uh, subconscious in a way. And um, Is it sort of like a reverse avatar in a way or like an avatar? Um, it, 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 it's, or is it just like something completely different? Well, it's it, you might say it's a reverse avatar. It is kind of completely different. The each each mask has a, like a spirit kind of of its own. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, these are just this is just the language that I can find to talk about what um, I'm probably doing a horrible job. And if Pear was here, I'm sure he'd probably. Uh, All right, we'll get him on the phone later. (laughs) But um, so, you know, like maybe you've got a series of masks and they're each an archetype and you put the one um, for like the, you know, the female, uh, innocent female ingenue on and you breathe it in and it should influence the way that you are in the space, the way you respond to things um, as if you were a female ingenue. Mm -hmm. And is there any like uh, set gender like if i were to put one on like the female ingenue is that fine or is that yeah 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 i mean so like what it is about that mask um that that you know the the energy that it sort of absorbs the the personality of it would you know influence you no matter who you are right and you might have a series of masks you know pear had a series of masks that were created from a um you know he saw uh, a group of, I think it was like nine pictures on a newspaper in a trash can somewhere in mm-hmm. Paris when he was walking by, and it was the pictures of like nine French serial killers, and he had those made into masks. Um, he didn't bring them out very often, but he was telling a story once about how, because this happened in the room when we were working with these masks, uh-huh. um, is that, uh, you know, apparently... There was one mask um, that he, he, and he travels the world doing this work, right? There was one mask. Uh, he keep put it. He kept putting it on people, and they didn't really know what they what mask it was they were putting on like ahead of time. They would breathe it in. They would sort of like be vulnerable to it and let it influence them. Um, and you know, he was saying the person who kept putting on this mask would make these clicking sounds, and they would keep trying to get behind me. Like, they would keep keep trying to, like, slide along the wall to get behind me in a way that felt really sort of, like, scary and malicious. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so he was like, it, it became really dangerous, and I had to stop, like, giving that mask to people. Um, Did he throw it in the Hudson River? <laughs> Is this the prequel to Jim Carrey's The Mask? Is that what we're getting to? Um, uh, oh, my gosh. 
you could be. But uh, you know, and, and there was a there was another case where he had like a mask with uh, that was made off of uh, made from the face of a famous opera singer Mary something I can't remember her last name and and there was a there was a girl who had gone through a really bad car wreck um, or a similar physical trauma mm-hmm. and she like had lost the ability to speak. Um, and he did this therapy with her where he would put the mask on her and put her in front of a mirror. Um, and, uh, you know, they would do that again and again, like multiple times. And and she'd sit there and look at herself in the mirror and start breathing in. And supposedly, you know, she started singing this beautiful soprano voice and, and through singing eventually was able to regain the ability to speak. And she, you know, had no singing training before any of that so Mm -hmm. like these are the sorts of stories of the stuff that happens with these masks if you're like open to them i guess so for me um you know our our whole group it was the last day we were working with him uh he came in and turned all the lights out and he closed all the windows and like pulled the curtains so it was really dark in the room and he has sit in a circle and he was like i'm gonna put a mask on each of you um i'm not gonna tell you what it is um, and I just want you to breathe it in and just be in the room uh, and just, you know, just see what happens. Um, so we put these masks on everyone and um, we could kind of see what other people were going through, but it was sort of really dark. You could hear them and you could kind of feel their energy. Um, but, I, you know, and I don't know how long we were in there. It must have been less than an hour. Um, but I went through this crazy ass adventure um, <laughs> sounds really ridiculous you know just sort of sitting there breathing in and in in the way that like a hallucination kind of takes mm-hmm. over um i had like i went on this weird hallucinatory journey where um i felt like i was like dying but I was ready to die and my body was like in a field and there was Mm -hmm. a tree growing out of me and it was like floating down a river and I didn't know where it was going and I knew when we finally got there it would be like the end and I was like okay with that Mm -hmm. and apparently physically in the space I was like sobbing and laughing and I had no awareness that I was doing that and so he eventually came around and removed everyone's masks um, and, uh, you know, apparently I was the last one because every time he tried to take it off me, I was physically fighting with him to keep it on, which I don't remember, but everyone mm-hmm. else who was in that circle kind of saw that happen. Um, and so, you know, when he finally got it off and we were talking about our experiences, lots of people had similar experiences where they were like very sad and they felt like the burden of the world was on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I felt great i felt this immense extraordinary connection to sort of everything around me um that was like you know divine and earthy and it was confusing but like you know this insane thing um and everyone was like you know i want what she's on Mm -hmm. um and so you know we found out when that was all over that he had put almost everyone in a mask based off of um, each mask was a slightly different variation of uh, the face of the 
uh, Archangel Michael. Mm -hmm. But the one that he put on me um, was uh, one that was taken from the face of uh, a, a temple... Uh, a Hindu like temple for, to the goddess of love mm -hmm. um, because he was like oh she's Indian you know I'm just going to try this with her um, I do that all the time <laughs> right so this weird ass thing that I like I know I sound crazy when I talk about it happened but you know I walked away from that and I was like the ability to feel all of those things right to feel that incredible like sadness and joy and like connection and all that stuff was just inside me right mm -hmm. like that kind of got unlocked and if it was inside me then it's inside everyone else right like if 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 i'm capable of the, of feeling these things as a human then so is every other human mm -hmm. and so i kind of got obsessed with the idea of i want to help other human beings be able to like access you know like rediscover their humanity like access um the most extraordinary things that we can feel it seems that for me at that time that meant like all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to become an actor. I'm mm -hmm. going to, like, create art that, like, gets people really thinking and feeling. Um, and, you know, all the other stuff that I was interested in sort of doing with my life kind of fell by the wayside, and this became, like, incredibly urgent mm -hmm. to me. Um, and, uh, you know, many years later, I ended up going to grad school, um, training to do a lot of crazy stuff on the stage, which is hilarious because I don't do any stage work anymore. I only right. ever audition for film and TV. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up where I am today, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so what was, were you doing stage plays at the time or when you first started, like, were you acting in theater or were you doing that and also going out for auditions on tv and film well, or so, um you know so in grad school there's not a lot of time to do a whole lot of stuff outside of like the stuff you're working on for class mm -hmm. which for us was mostly stage work right um my program at the time um wasn't really focused this was like <sighs> as the golden age of television was just starting to really happen so our program was still really oriented towards stage work so when I was in grad school I was working on stage plays and mm -hmm. that's what I thought I was going to keep doing um, but at the end of grad school you know we had a showcase and so that means that you, you do a couple scenes in front of a bunch of people from the industry like uh, you know casting directors and, mm -hmm. and agents and managers um and the representation that I ended up working with and signing with um, at first was sending me out, you know, for, for television and, um, and for stage. But it just turns out that, you know, the, <laughs> the casting directors that do things like Broadway and off-Broadway are not that interested in me. But the casting directors that do, like, TV and film projects are, you know incredibly interested in me in working with me and they're kind of the only ones that ever really call me in anymore which i'm not complaining about um but i do you know i do miss working on stage and i occasionally will do small projects here and there occasionally audition for some like regional theater or something like that but uh 
you know, that's those opportunities are fewer and far between. Right. Is I feel like theater you prepare a lot more than for TV or film. Is that a true thing? Like, you know, you have a show and you're gonna have to do it over and over and over again, but when you do a TV show, you just have to kind of do it once. Yeah, I mean, I know you do have multiple takes and whatever, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the preparation is different. Right. The preparation is definitely, uh, you know, different, right? Because mm-hmm. the, the task is different. Um, but uh, it, it's not necessarily that you're doing less. I mean, it depends on what you're doing. It, right. You know, it, it depends on what sort of character are you playing. Um, you know, what is the style of of the show mm-hmm. that or the film that you're working on? Um, you know, it, you have to be believable in a way that you d- don't have to be on stage. Or, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's a theatricality that you have to shed when you're going on film. Right. Um, and that's, you know, depending on what you're doing, what you're saying, you know, that can be a lot of hard work to prepare yourself to, to go there and to prepare yourself to go there again and again and again, you know, for as many takes as you need to. Um, or, you know, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe you're doing something comedic and you have to keep your energy up and you have to stay playful um, and you have to be able to do that even though you're, you're they, they set up the shot and you do something and then you walk away for, you know, and sit in a chair for 25 minutes while they set up the next shot and then you come back and do the same thing over again with the, with the same amount of exuberance mm-hmm. um, as you did the first time and, and it just keeps going like that. Um, so, you know, the, the work is different, but it's not necessarily less. Right. And was your first big part, was that on the HBO show Girls? <laughs> I, or know, was there other things before that? No, that was, um, th- that was the first big thing that I got out of, uh, out of grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was my first television appearance um and it was a it was a it was a co-star um so you know that means that it wasn't quite a guest star Mm -hmm. um but it you know it wasn't um i wasn't coming on as sort of like you know uh as the secretary or something what's what's like the ranking of because i it's always (laughs) like you know you watch a tv show and they'll have you know the this is the lead guy and then here's right. the other people and then it'll be like and featuring or it'll be like and the other really famous person you know right like what if if you're at the end and you get an and is that, that you know what that's is, a good question i have absolutely no idea like about that last slot and i mm-hmm. wonder about it all the time and normally i feel like that goes to someone who's like really famous it feels but, like it's like a star sandwich <laughs> almost yeah. like they need some bread on the other end i you know i wonder if that's about um who has like producing credits right maybe you've got a series regular who's got a lot of like hollywood cachet but isn't around that much but still wants like a you know a, like a card you know, like a frame that's all to themselves, you know, uh, like, you know, if you're doing a co-star, like, and, and it's funny because it's something that's like in your contract, right. um, you know, uh, that can be negotiated, whether your name appears in the credits 
alongside another name or if it appears on the screen all by itself. Right. Like, um, which is crazy because you don't ever really think about that kind of stuff. Like, but you know, your representation right. does. Well, you'll also see certain things that'll be like directed by Mike and John, or then you'll see directed Mike, John, and there's no and. So it's like, from my understanding, that's like, oh, Mike did this part and then John came and did that part. But if it's Mike and John, then there's like, Mike and John were both there, right. you know, directing I, together. I mean, that's that would be my guess too. Uh-huh. But uh, I have, I have no idea, um, you know, who comes up with the the I guess um, the the formatting of that, and if it's if it's meaningful um, uh, in a way that like actually makes a difference on the production itself, or right. if it's just. Um, you know, the, the convention that that particular production company uses. Right. Who knows? And so how did you come to be on this show? Were, was this a part of the casting thingy at the end? Of, no, or I, I did mean, you go just, out for the audition? I just went out for an audition. Um, you know, they, they sent, depending on how big the part is, whether it's for... Um, you know, a, a new pilot or for a show that's already in production, um, you know, they're, you're going to get the script anywhere from, you know, like a week before to the day before mm-hmm. um, with just the bits that, like, they're interested in seeing. So the sides, essentially, right. is what we call it. Um, and then you go in and you just sort of present yourself as you would do it. Um, and they tape you, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then the casting director sends that tape to whoever is going to ultimately make the decision of who plays that role. Maybe that's the producers, maybe it's the director, maybe it's the showrunner, you know. Um, and they, they view their options and they go ahead and choose someone. Um, and then next thing you know, you're showing up to have your, you know, get measured for costumes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Roller skates in my, in my case. Right. Um, so... For your audition, they made you guys all show up in roller skates. <laughs> and No, actually, um, they, you know. Well, maybe we should tell people that are maybe familiar with the show, the character that you were. Maybe they'll have an image of in their head <laughs> if they're aware. Well, Because um, <laughs> it's a, kind of a funny thing, right? The way yeah, that her name is. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's I mean, if, if, you, if you watch the show and have the sort of memory where you remember all those all those smaller characters yeah um or if you are going to watch in the future um i am a plus size indian woman um and so you should be able to recognize me because uh zoja mamet's character um uh shoshana shows up in washington square park and she's there with her boyfriend um, and then she runs into a friend from NYU that she hasn't seen in ages. His name is Radhika. That was me. Um, and I'm on rollerblades, just rollerblading around the park. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I Did guess. Did they tell you the motivation for why she was on these <laughs> roller skates? Was it her exercise? Well, I mean, well, was it her? She <laughs> says, she says, um, Something along the lines, oh God, this was years ago. She said something along the lines of, um, uh, like, it's so vintage. Isn't this so vintage? Right, like no one's doing it anymore, right. so I'm so- <laughs> bringing it back. So, I mean, like, the character was supposed to be, like, this incredibly rich, um, like, uh, 
Hindu student. Daughter um, of doctors. Yeah. Um, and it was actually really nuts. They, like, rented uh, <clears throat> one of the suites at, I think it was the Waldorf Astoria. Um, I can't remember. It was one of those, like, um, like luxurious luxurious old-fashioned new york institutions um so like you know they rented a bunch of suites for like our our dressing rooms and they had a huge one with like a massive kitchen and separate dining room and this huge living room and all these bedrooms that they that was supposedly my quote-unquote apartment Mm -hmm. because i was throwing a party and i invite her and her boyfriend to the party um and they had taken these pictures uh they asked me to send them pictures of like myself when I was younger with friends and like my you know my mom um so I sent these to them and like they had turned some of them into like huge portraits Uh that were on the wall like there was this there's this picture of my mom and a sari and I think she's like 17 Uh which was taken but it looked really traditional um and they had like fattened out her face and like aged her like you know like 50 years uh-huh. and like you know painted her like in this huge portrait like it was um you know like this massive portrait of her is like a uh as a god what's the word i'm looking for the uh, like the, the maternal head of the family uh-huh. um and then they they built this um <laughs> this statue of like what is it the venus de milo yeah uh like coming out of the shell um and then just it was there in the living room Uh like this like this character erotica is so ridiculous that she just has like it's not even a fountain it's just this huge (laughs) non-functional statue yeah um that they refer to as as a mermaid um just sort of there it was it was nuts and what was also crazy is that like in the party like it was like she spent ten thousand dollars at white castle Uh (laughs) and every it was so funny too because like i I, I scored that role when i was like 27 Uh right and this character was supposed to be like 20 21 yeah and you're like how do you even have this much money to do any of these things (laughs) Um, but it was also like there were all these extras yeah. that were that young, that were like NYU student age. Um, so it really looked like we were throwing this crazy ass party. Um, and it was really cool because like, you know, you could see like the extras kind of like jostling to like get in the scene. And like none of them had any idea who I was because mm-hmm. like I'm nobody. Right. Like no one knows who the fuck I am. Um but, like, they were like, no, oh, maybe that is somebody. Like, you know, I'm going to talk to them. Uh-huh. I'm, like, inch closer. Um, which was, like, nuts and so weird and bizarre to be a part of. But, like, they had covered every surface with, like, decorative, um, organized things of White Castle French fries. Were they a or- sponsor of the... I have Is no, that I have where no you guys idea. had the budget to go to the story I don't even remember if that actually showed up on camera because uh, you know they ended up cutting like fifty percent right. of what we shot. Um, but there were like pyramids of White Castle burgers, um, and like you know, so people were like partaking of that as they were also, you know, 
doing drugs and like drinking. Real drugs or playing beer pong. TV drugs. TV drugs. As far as how are those? How are those compared? (laughs) Are they just? Are they just made to make a puff of smoke? Because I remember my French class, my (laughs) French teacher had a cigarette that you could puff out of it to make it puff yeah. of smoke type of thing i don't you know that stuff works great on uh on stage uh-huh. but i don't know if that's you know uh, right. if, if it passes on camera Is that yeah, that kind of reminds me of uh singing in the rain you know the scene where uh he's singing in the rain yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's actually water that is tinted with milk because they couldn't get the you couldn't really water see on the, f- the rain. film so yeah, um, and then magic. the extras in the background aren't they usually told to like be quiet on the set while like you're doing your thing? So like everyone in the background is just like mouthing like watermelon Jello or like <laughs> yeah, no that that is absolutely exactly what happens. Um, they can't make any noise because uh, they're going to come in later mm-hmm. and they're going to like record party noises so that they can have a track in the background. Um, it's also really funny because, you know, when people are dancing, like they're not they're, dancing to anything. They're right? not dancing to anything. <laughs> um, it was actually really fun. We did. We had a small portion where like, um, you know, we improved like I'm, you know, Zoja shows up and I'm like, oh, my God. Hey. And I like run over and I like hug her and pick her up and drag her over to the dance floor. And we like improved all this dancing, but there was no music, right. <laughs> which was actually a lot of fun because it got to be absolutely, totally ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And all of that got cut out. Of course. Well, <laughs> of course. Um, but uh, it's on the bonus DVDs. Oh, God. You know, actually, I think <laughs> it was one of the few episodes where there were no behind like there was no like cut scenes yeah um i definitely went straight to trying to like (laughs) i was like i wonder if any of that got in there and i was like wait every other episode has it but this one doesn't Ah." it's horrible i know it's so hard um but uh yeah no um it was super fun was having like a uh, a really great time at this party, but like not actually able to interact with anyone. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't partake of any drugs, but uh, there was a White Castle burger that I had to like eat continuously. Was it like it was? Did, it was, was it continuity? Did it, they have to be like, oh, she took a bite out of this one. Get her another yes, ba- burger that only has and one. All bite. of them were disgusting and cold, right? And they'd have to go and microwave one before each time, and it was just so <laughs> gross. Like every, I mean, and, but it was fun because, like, you know, there are a couple takes where I like would put it in my mouth. I'd, you know, start chewing, see something happening in the background that I notice in the scene, spit it back out into my hand, yell at the guy, and then shoved the spit out burger back into my mouth. Like, you know, just like fun, ridiculous shit like that. But it was like, they, they were so gross, these like reheated um, White Castle burgers right. that were cold by the time they I mean, got yeah, back they're to they're barely me. tolerable as is. I know. <laughs> I can't. I don't know how many of those extras actually tried to eat one of those French fries, but they had been sitting out there. If they are college age kids, like you said (laughs) they were, I'm sure some of them talk about it to this very day. I was in the background on girls (laughs) and I ate cold French fries all day and it was the best day of my life. Oh God. Um, So she, your character Radika Right? 
but they, they, they say Radhika on the but show, you, but it's Radhika. <laughs> it's Radhika. And you even you brought this up to the producer or whoever was on the set that like you you're like actually I th- I, I didn't I oh, didn't. didn't I don't because I was afraid to I mean, right because and in a certain way it makes sense right like you know you got these white girls like you know everywhere like there, there's um you know a I mean people can't say my name half the time so <laughs> I know but like I, 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 there's there's like an Americanized version of almost every ethnic name. Sure, yeah. Like, um, you know, mine is Anjali, but people will say Anjali. They'll say, you know, Anjali, which no, 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 no. <laughs> that's, Spanish. That's no not good. allowed. <laughs> or Anjali, and you just kind of like get used to it. So it right. makes sense that like, you know, enough people would call her Radika that, go that it, she yeah. just goes with it. Or you know, maybe she's just like. I want to pronounce my name that way. Right. You know, maybe there's something like compelling to her. There's something sexy and mysterious about being Radika. So, I mean, it just wasn't worth addressing. Uh, and it was a, it was a fun little joke to me on the inside that mm-hmm. I giggled about a lot. Um, and you know, there was a, there was actually an extra at that party who was also Indian. And I re- and I like leaned over and I was like, it's Radika, right? And she was like, yeah. What name did they give you? <laughs> and how did they screw it up? Like, did they do that? Because I know mostly they don't give extras names, but sometimes you'll see like a little. Yeah. But you have to be in the SAG after, right? To actually have any speaking parts in a. No, uh, actually, not necessarily. You don't have to be in. Um, I think it's like maybe three times. I don't know. It's been a uh-huh. while. So I don't really remember what the rules are. But there's a, a certain number of times that you can appear on camera in, a, in like a ZAG production mm-hmm. um, before you have to join the right. union. Um, and, um, you know, you can't join the union until you've actually, um, you know, spoken a certain number of times. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think if you're just an extra, you can get a waiver. And if you collect enough waivers... You can just, um, you can just join. Right. Um, although sometimes they have the waivers and sometimes they don't. Uh, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I'm drinking Diet Coke and it's stuff. I'm don't help- worry. I can edit all this stuff out <laughs> or keep it in. No, it's cool. <laughs> I like, you know, I grew up with brothers and mm-hmm. they could always like belch like ridiculously yeah. and I never Is could. that what you're going to do for us right now? God, I hope so. <laughs> I don't know how to make it happen, but when it does happen, I get so See, excited. That's funny because I grew up with sisters and <laughs> they know how to burp on command, but I don't. And for that, I am grateful because I can fart on command. So it's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's not no, I guess no I guess everyone's got their own secret power. Um, but uh, but yeah. So they brought you back for another episode right yeah they they um um and i, th- I think some of this got lost in translation is like a, some of the stuff that we shot you know had to get carved away mm-hmm. in the show i mean that's just what happens like it's more like a c or d plot maybe in the yeah well thing. i mean i mean it was a it was a really important turning point for the shoshana character because mm-hmm. um she, she learned c- how to rollerblade <laughs> I'll tell you what I 
thought that I knew how to rollerblade because I did as a kid. Uh huh. And then when I went to get my like, it's very different as an adult, isn't God, it? It's very different. <laughs> I hadn't done it in like ten years, and they were like, "You can rollerblade, blade, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course." Like, uh-huh. yeah. Like went and when I got my costume like fitting done, they were like, "Okay, so let's choose um, which set of rollerblades you're gonna wear." And they had like four different types of like broad range of colors mm-hmm. and. Um, that was super fun, and they put me in them, and, uh, like, the second AD was like, all right, so um, we just want to confirm that you know what you're doing. Let's go out to the parking lot, and... Uh... <laughs> Sorry. Sounds like my neighbor's dogs are home. <laughs> hey, um. guys. Um, but they took, it, they took me out to the parking lot, and, like, I had a cell phone, and he was just like, okay, so just, like, you know, skate around and stuff. And I realized that I can skate just fine, but I couldn't stop. Yeah. That's, that's the second part of skating, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? It's like with skiing. Like, you can ski, but, like, uh-huh. you know, you, most so important stopping. thing is to learn how to stop. Um, so uh, that uh, I was unable to stop at the end of every take. I roller skated right into a fence or <laughs> or, or, or a PA. Um, I roller skate right into a hug with Soja. I knocked her down once or twice. Um, uh, yeah, but did they uh, film? Was that the first scene that was filmed? Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't like you had gotten a nice rapport with her <laughs> at the party first, and then like, all right, let's go shoot the outside. Yeah, no, we, shots. we met that morning. <laughs> uh-huh. um, which was, um, which was like kind of crazy because you know I'd been watching them on TV. Right, I was gonna say was it was something season. that you had seen before, and then yeah, I, I had seen it before, and it was so bizarre. It, this was the first episode that they were shooting when they came back for season mm-hmm. two, um, and so you know I got into the makeup trailer at like six o'clock in the morning, and I was like, oh my god, this is where all the actresses are. I can see them right here, mm-hmm. and you know. Like, uh, like uh, Alice Williams was sitting next to me and she was so friendly mm-hmm. um, and like very energized for that early in the morning. I was so nervous. I have a funny story about her dad. Oh, interesting. <laughs> We're going to get to that in just a second. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we, we like we went out from the makeup trailer to like do, do a rehearsal mm-hmm. and then went back to the makeup trailer. And the whole time I was like so scared because I was like, what am I doing here? Like these people are famous et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. and what's great is that like you know um a lot of people in that set are, are you know in particular i'll say this about lena dunham she is um really great at sort she's very emotionally intelligent mm-hmm. um she could see right away that i was like freaking out on the inside and immediately like you know, she was starting to say hello to everyone else, seeing them for the first time in ages. Mm-hmm. And she walked right up to me and gave me this big hug and was like, oh, my God, we're so glad you're here. Like, you're so great. This is going to be so much fun. And it immediately calmed me down. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it's a really intelligent um, and charismatic person who can see that that needs to happen and, and can do it and can put ease right away so it's really grateful for that um and then again allison williams as i said was like so friendly but what is the story about brian williams that you have well so as you may or may not know and the listeners at home may or may not know i worked at 30 rockefeller plaza for seven ish years Mm -hmm. and 
during my first year there, I was on the third floor, which was known for having snackies in the break room. So I was just kind of scavenging for food. And lo and behold, there he is, the man, Brian Williams of the Nightly News. And I'm like, yes, this is it. This is me. And I'm going to say hi to him. We're just going to, I'm just going to play it off cool. I've seen, I saw him at the Christmas party before, but this is just me and him in a hallway. This is it. So I'm going east and he's going west (laughs) and he's wearing a sweater. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? And for a second, he thought, I think that I was somebody that he actually knew (laughs) and was about to say, hey, how are you? So and so. But instead, I think once my voice started talking, he decided that I wasn't that person and he didn't know what to say. So he just kind of went <laughs> and just kind of kept walking. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to talk to any anchors anymore. <laughs> so, he seems like a really silly guy. He is. That's his thing. He want, He wants to, he wanted to be like a Tonight Show host. Like he was actually vying for that job. And at like <coughs> Christmas parties, he would be the MC and he would... You know, tell great jokes and all this other stuff. Oh, he's very funny on Thirty Rock. He was his right. character was a very strange individual on Thirty Rock. Sure, and I'm sure that's a part of it is the uh, trying to be like a crazy person when you're try- when you're like the straight guy. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> oh, behind the scenes though, he's like whoa. So, but yeah, for me at the, at 30 Rock, I always kind of had these similar interactions with people where they would come up to me and be like, Hey, how you been? And I'd be like, good. How are you? And then be like, Oh, I'm sorry. You look like somebody else, but I must sound completely different. Cause as soon as I start talking, everybody <laughs> would just be like, Oh, never mind. This isn't the guy I'm looking for. <laughs> so whoever that guy is, they love him. They hate me, but they love that guy. Well, they obviously haven't gotten a chance to get to know whether or not they hate you. Right, but off the bat, they know I'm not who they want. (laughs) (laughs) So they brought you back for the second? Yeah, they did. For a second episode? uh, Was this later in the season or was it a next season thing? Yeah, so the the gist was she shows up up to this party. She sees me. Who? uh, Zoja Mamet's character, Uh Shoshana. She... Um, you know, is starting to have issues with her boyfriend. He doesn't come to the party because he's just like, I'm almost 30. I'm not going to this NYU party. Right. That's creepy. Um, and she sees me just disgustingly making out with, uh, with this kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I say this kid, uh, he was like, I guess, 18 or 19. Uh, and I guess we're supposed to be the same age on the show, but it was really weird. Just um, go with it, girl. <laughs> um, but, uh, like you know just nastily waking making out and she's watching this and something inside her kind of like a flip like a switch gets flipped Mm -hmm. right um so she leaves um and on her way out she sees the doorman again who is hubba hubba i mean hello nurse Mm -hmm. he is hot um and she you know is he wearing the normal doorman uniform or uh yeah (laughs) Uh, so they start making out, and then um, with the doorman. Yeah, in the, in the lobby. I, you know, he was more like See, behind a desk. I'm always 
He was he was more like you know this like security I guess behind a desk. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, so so that starts this pattern of her like you know hooking up with a bunch of different guys, like suddenly discovering her sexuality and being mm-hmm. more comfortable with it, and sort of exploring what that is for her. So you know they wrote me into the last episode, so it's right after she's just um, broken up with her boyfriend spoiler alert um it's been a couple years mm-hmm. so um i'll put a big spoiler tag on this so no one gets <laughs> upset um so uh they you know they they have me there um in a bar with her um while she's like you know making out with another stranger is sort of like well she's got this influence in her life mm-hmm. like these her nyu friends who are going to be supportive of her doing whatever and are you know maybe bad influences um and, uh, you know, that bit ended up getting cut out again, which is right. fine. They still paid me. Nice. <laughs> I had to take recurring character off of my resume. But right. um, no. but you got to make out all day, right? Like, how, do, how does something like that happen? Because I always, like I, I, like, I watch a lot of Boy Meets World. And I'm always like, man, it'd been awesome to be Sean Hunter just making out with a new chick every episode. Like, how is that? How does that go when you're like making out with another actor? Do you guys like talk beforehand? Like, hey, do this or don't do that. Like, I don't like. Well, I mean, uh, like, so for me, that for I was the one making out in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the one doing it in the last episode, and also in the first episode. Um, it, it was actually very specifically written into the script um that he was going to like lick me from the bottom <laughs> of my neck to the top uh-huh. of my head and then we were to start making out um and like, that's how it normally goes right <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying it was really weird um but like but you, you were know, into it yeah or well i mean it's radica was it's, into it's, it. it's it's never it's never like usually really sexy a stage right. kiss it's all sorts of cameras and lights and everything else. yeah i mean you're just you're just being very professional and you're being very technical um and i guess um you know i like i've, I've kissed on stage right uh that's really the only time i've ever had to like crazily make out with someone on camera um actually that may not be true <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. That's uh, that's def- that's definitely true on camera. Um, but you know, we've never, never really had a conversation with any of those people about uh-huh. it. Um, it was just like you know, you show up, and uh, you, when when you both are ready, you know, obviously you suss out if the person wants to go ahead and do it today, uh-huh. um, or whatever. Um, and you just kind of, and you just kind of do it. Right. Um, and it's always like cold and passionless um and you do what you need to do to make it look the way it needs to look now that's changing very much uh within the last couple of years um there's been a movement to have intimacy coordinators um and uh they actually uh hbo now i think they brought them on for what is the name of that uh, game of thrones no um uh, after after that one where john oliver (laughs) <laughs> no, where it's uh, where it's like the porn industry. In oh, York. they were filming on this street, and I was hoping uh, the Deuce. Yes, the Deuce. Because I was hoping, because the way I look, maybe they would be like, "Hey, you would fit perfectly in our nineteen <laughs> seventies pornography." Awkward. But Aw- they never picked me up. Awkward. I'm I'm trying to. 
Um, um, so it was the deuce. Um, and there was a woman whose name is Alicia Rodas, mm -hmm. who I've worked with uh, before uh, on a Shakespeare performance. She was our stage, um, our stage fight choreographer. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe she started out as a fight choreographer and possibly a dancer. Um, uh, and she'd been working with the group for a while. She was, you know, professional fight choreographer. Um, and uh, really in, in, in incredibly uh, talented fighter herself. Um, I know is that hand-to-hand -hand combat, like martial arts, or like with weapons, or both, or well, uh, handguns. Like I don't know that I've ever seen her work with handguns, uh -huh. or uh, but uh, you know she certainly uh, she works with you know weapons like mm -hmm. uh, rapiers, daggers, uh, you know um, switchblades, all the good things. Yeah, all the good things. Um, so she started a group called uh, Intimacy Directors International, I think. I think that's the name of the group that she started. She may have, um, or she may have been working with a different group. I'm, uh, I think she started it herself, mm -hmm. um, or she may have just been one of the first people there. Anyways, uh, extraordinary woman. So she came on board for the Deuce, um, and and. You know, part of that was um, making the intimacy of a lot of those sex scenes as uh, as like objective as possible in a way, making it something that you can choreograph. Mm -hmm. So it is something that you can approach more professionally and like have control over. Um, in doing that, so that you protect the actors and actresses who are involved. Um, you know, so at no time do they feel uh, uncomfortable, mm -hmm. um, but but their ability as uh, as actors is being respected. You know, making it again part of the craft to make this scene come together, as opposed to uh, you know being kind of laissez faire about it um, and leaving the door open for someone to feel like violated or someone who doesn't necessarily know how to engage in a conversation mm -hmm. about, okay, so what should we do? How should I move? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you know, there's some really great articles about, about like her experience there. Um, and, uh, you know, what that was like, you know, just being available to like offer a, like a mint, you know, just, just being there to make herself available to the actors, um, as an advocate, um, and as someone who's going to read the script every day and see if there's any changes and, you know, advocate on behalf of the actors that, so that, you know, there are no major surprises. Um, apparently it was such an extraordinary, um, experience for the people working on that show that uh, I believe HBO decided that they were never going to have a show that didn't mm -hmm. have an intimacy coordinator on board going forward. And I actually think Alicia's like the house intimacy coordinator now for HBO or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, it, and I hope so. I hope that's the case because she's awesome. Uh, but um yeah, so I mean that's a thing now, and and more and more, uh, you know, I see in like you know Facebook groups that I'm in um, that there are like production companies on stage and on screen who are you know trying to get their hands on intimacy coordinators, mm -hmm. um, you know, for you know to protect themselves, to protect uh, the actors, and it's 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 becoming a whole movement, which right. I think is really cool. 
that's something I never even really thought about existing. I mean, I always assumed that there'd be someone there, you know, for something like that. But I guess I never really thought about the practical parts of it. Right. Um, especially with HBO, you've got shows like Game of Thrones where it's almost people are like, this is almost gratuitous to a point where there's like, what's the point of this other than to draw like young male viewers in or... And they may very well have had someone on hand, right? Um, especially because there's so much sex there. Um, you know, I don't know what their official title was, mm-hmm. or if it was like something that the actors were doing, or if it was something that the directors were doing. Um, but I, I, I would be shocked if you know they, especially because um, the the actress Amelia Clark was so young when she started playing Daenerys. Mm-hmm. Um, was she 17 when she started doing I don't that? know. I've never um, never looked into people's ages. Right. But, uh, um, you know, I, I would be surprised if they didn't have people there to make it um, as... As, as rote and boring a process as possible, which mm-hmm. is ultimately the best thing that you can do in a situation like that. Right. So, you don't talk about making out with the person before you make out with them. <laughs> I mean, I guess <laughs> or that's they might do it nowadays. Is what you're saying? Uh, I, I mean, I guess. Or would is that just, is that too is that since it's not sex that that's probably outside of the intimacy coordinator? I mean, <laughs> I I personally don't know, but I don't. I right. I, I think it, it it definitely falls within that scope. Um, it's, you know, an intimate act. Right. Because I always think of, like, actors that are, like, really religious, kind of like Chris Pratt, where, like, I see him, you know, making out with women that aren't his wife or whatever. And then you're like, but what about the Bible? Or, you know, like, how do, how do you how do you circle that square with your own self? Like, you know, and I know he's not the only person that's religious or... Uh, you know, I, I just right. Well, it's I mean, it's like, not. I know it's acting, but for it, me, it looks like an intimate act, but it's not an intimate act. Right. Um. I mean, it's it's intimate in the sense that physically it is intimate. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know, there's it, it's that's why I say the most boring it can be, the better, because you know you want to feel respected and protected, and none of your boundaries are getting crossed. But y- you are professionals who are there, and it is your job to do this thing and make it look as passionate as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if that's if it's supposed to look passionate, um, and knowing that, knowing that it becomes a task that you have to do, um, takes all the passion out of it. Sure. So there's no, I, I mean, you know, far be it for me to speak for every actor out there, but uh, it's, um, you know, the, it's not coming from an organic place mm-hmm. and that you're doing because you are, you know, you really want to kiss that person. Right. And, um, you know, maybe that's something that happens on, you know, certain big Hollywood flicks where two people fall in love and end up falling in love in real life. But mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's every once in a while, I guess. Right. So uh, to change gears a little bit, we're still going to stay in TV. Okay. <laughs> but uh, you were on a pilot with 
the Felicia Rashad? <laughs> I was. Um, I mean, I there's only so much about it I can say. Okay. Um, because you know the, the pilot, NDA and yeah, the pilot never aired, and um, you know it's 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 been hidden away. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I can say that um, you know, I was hired as a series regular for uh, a pilot that was shot by um, CBS Studios for so CBS. So your name would have been like Felicia Rashad, da-da-da, da-da-da. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, you know, actually, I probably ended up having more roles per ep- uh, more lines per episode than Felicia Rashad did. Well, that's just how those <laughs> types of games work. If I am at that level, yes, but I will I'm, only be but putting I, but, in... But I'm laughing because it's totally ridiculous. I mean, she's Felicia Rashad. She's amazing. Uh-huh. Um, and... And actually, this is really cool. Something happened that I will never forget, which is we went in for the reading. So uh, right before we started officially shooting, we all sat down at a table. Was all parents. this in New York? Yeah, this was in New York. And was it ever going to go to L.A.? Because I know a lot of shows are shot out there. Or was right. this going to so, be based? So it was, was going to be based here. Well, I actually think that we were going to be based in... Um, in like Ontario mm-hmm. or somewhere in Canada, uh, possibly down in Atlanta. Um, Gotta get them that, tax that, <laughs> that wasn't really sussed out yet. Right. Um, but we shot the pilot in New York. Uh, the the show was called For Justice, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was uh, it was based on uh, James Patterson's first novel. I thought uh, it was going to be based off of. Metallica's Injustice for All. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Um, and it was essentially a procedural about the team that gets called in when there is a civil strife that um, is uh, based around um, uh, like social justice issues. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I believe it's the... Mm-hmm, the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice... I'm not exactly sure. It's been a couple years. Um, but, you know, like when, when things were going down, like with Freddie Gray, you know, this is the team that gets called in. Um, and it's a team of uh, FBI agents and um, and lawyers. Um, and so this is what the show is about. It was a procedural. There was going to be, you know, a mythology that like went across the season and each individual episode, of course, was going to be about its, its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so when we were, f- before we, you know, really got started, we were sitting down, we were going to do a, um, a reading of the pilot script, um, with producers in New York and on camera for producers in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we first came in to do the, um, like a, like a rehearsal reading. Um, and it was the first time that everyone kind of came to the table. Um, and I, I, I sat down and I saw, like, I, I didn't know all of the casting, but, uh, I saw that the like little place card next to me said Felicia Rashad on it mm-hmm. and I freaked out. I was like, oh my God. And she came in, she's so beautiful. She's so like elegant and charismatic, but she's also like a real person. Right. Um, and <laughs> so we were in this conference room with these incredibly comfy conference room chairs that are on wheels. And she went to sit down and like went, I guess went to sit down so fast and the wheels of the chair were so well oiled that that chair just right out from oh, under no. her and, and she, and she fell. And, um, 
and which is something that I do all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was like, oh, my God, are you OK? Um, and she was just like, I, you know, maybe her dignity was hurt for a second there. Um, but she just like got up and was just like, oh, sorry. And, then, you know, sat down and we introduced ourselves. But it was like this immediate like sense of okay, so you're going to be meeting these people who, like... Who you've seen on TV, who like... Yeah, who you've seen on TV and who, like, mean something to you mm-hmm. in, like, the mythology of your childhood. Yeah. Um, and the stories that, like, were so important to you growing up. Um, but they're just, you know, they're just human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I got to talk to her a number of times over, you know, the two weeks that we were actually shooting the pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's a delightful person. Um very spirited, very funny, um, and uh, I, but but I'll never I'll never forget her just kind of like planting it like that. Uh, first time we we I ever really saw her, um, and it's you know I think about that every time that I do something completely ridiculous you, and embarrassing. Do you think she thinks about it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Or do you think she does it so often? It's just like, uh... (laughs) Who knows? If I were her, I would have forgotten about it immediately. Mm -hmm. I would have put it out of sight and out of mind. Because if it were me, I would, like, be red-faced for, like, a month. I wouldn't... I would be so upset with myself, but... Hey, it happens. Yeah, it happens. I've never fallen out of a chair in front of everybody, but I'm sure it (laughs) happens to some people. Yeah, um, but she was playing this really cool character um, who was, you know, high up in the federal government. Um, in the deep state, as we call <laughs> it now. Um, the, the woke government. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was, uh, I believe she was playing a lesbian. She would be, you know, an elderly, not elderly, but an older black female lesbian in the federal government which was really cool. Right. You know, it's really cool for a procedural on a, on a network like CBS for a character like that to be, mm-hmm. you know, to just be there. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of really cool people on that project. Uh, you know, Tim Blake Nelson was on that show. Uh, Nick and Oni Rose. Um, I, I mean, and a whole, I mean, I think I was the only person uh, on that core cast who no one knew knew who the hell she was so you would have been like and introduce it <laughs> I know. like no like everyone else had been like the star of of some other show mm-hmm. um and and then it was just like me right <laughs> um but i was incredibly blessed to be a part of that um you know ava duvernay was gonna be the showrunner and she directed that episode and working with her has been one of the highlights of my career so mm-hmm. far um and uh yeah so and what was your character gonna be on the show she uh she was a lawyer was she a lesbian also (laughs) no no um she she was just a a a very talented young lawyer rollerblades rollerblading (laughs) lawyer no but uh it, it was interesting they made it a point to say that she was half Indian as I am and half Jewish. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that meant Israeli or not. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's been ages since I looked at the breakdown. Um, but I thought that was really cool because it was like, okay, so you've got a procedural 
down the road, like this is going to come up mm-hmm. that this person is of, of mixed heritage um, and is, you know, I believe was the only Jewish person on the team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously, eventually there's going to maybe, I don't know, going to be an episode that a has Hanukkah to deal with. special. <laughs> Uh, you know, co-starring Adam Sandler. Yeah. Um, he was on the Cosby show as Theo's friend. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. It's funny when he shows up. Nuts. So, yeah, th- that would have been, Felicia could have just been like, yo, Adam. Yes, I'm sure that they, they speak at least once a week. <laughs> you don't know what they do. Um, no, but it was it was really cool. There was a lot of little things written into the script like that about these characters mm-hmm. where you were like, what an incredibly dynamic group of people to be working with each other every day under like high pressure situations. Um, and like that's going to be really cool, uh, you know, if, if America ever ends up getting to see them mm-hmm. at work. Um, you know, it's going to introduce, you know, an America that maybe, uh, you know, doesn't know any lesbians or, you know, doesn't know any people who are Jewish, um, you know, um, or doesn't know any, like, white dudes from the city, like, um, you is know, that a thing? Because well, <laughs> <laughs> where I was from, when I was growing up, like I didn't know any Jewish people till like much. Like there was a teacher; she taught us about Hanukkah in kindergarten, and then there was a girl that was like half Jewish, but like not really. And then it wasn't until like tenth or eleventh grade that we got like a Jewish person in our school. Yeah. So like you know, coming. My first like experience with like a lot of Jewish people was in college, and then I came to New York, and now it's just like an everyday right. thing. <laughs> and you know that's 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 just like the circumstances of of your birth and where you live, and like you know, like there's a lot of people who don't know people, um, you that know, aren't like them that aren't like them. And so it was really cool knowing that if the if the show had a future, um, that we were going to explore some of those things in a mm-hmm. way that would hopefully um, make people like that more relatable to um, those at home. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, CBS is doing that in small ways with, you know, other procedurals that they have going like on. Like Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Uh, what's that other uh, one? Two and a half men. Um, so, were you ever on SVU or any of the Law and Orders? I know that's no. kind of like a training ground, if you will, for like. Well, I think it's a rite of passage. Yeah. Um, and it was really cool when there was like three different SVUs being shot in New York. Not SVUs. Three different Law, law and Orders. Uh-huh. Um. And I have auditioned for Law and Order SVU a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Haven't Dead girl on, number one. Haven't gotten <laughs> on it yet. No, I think one of them was like a uh, like a makeup artist for um, for a funeral home, and you know one of them was like some CSI person. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't even remember mm-hmm. who all those characters were. Just regular New Yorkers, man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right in the subway, back and forth. <laughs> Hold on. Let's stop here because okay. I think my computer's crapping out. Right. Um, I think we got a lot of great stuff, and I really appreciate you coming here and doing this, and uh, I'd love to have you back some other time maybe. Sure. We could talk about more things. My pleasure. Um, 
maybe once you're starring in a movie, we can have <laughs> you back. We don't have to talk about the boring details. No, I like all that stuff. <laughs> that stuff to me is <laughs> the building blocks of everything else. Because, you know, you for some people, you know, it's always like rewatching the show and then catching the things in the background that you didn't see the first mm-hmm. time or like once you get older and you understand a joke now that you didn't know when you were a kid, like things that have depth to them are always good. Like a, a Simpsons episode, like there's some things that I didn't understand as a kid, but I laughed at mm-hmm. it. And then now as an adult, I laugh at it for a different reason because, Oh, that's a reference to this thing or that thing. Or so I feel like, you know, background characters, character actors, whatever, are just a part of the universe of making TV and film what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's what brings it to life and puts it in the world that we're in. Um, and yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to answer any questions about you know. The All right, we'll go to our drum. first caller. <laughs> just kidding, we don't Mom. have that set up yet. <laughs> don't embarrass me. All right. Well, this has been another exciting episode of The Vaudacity. Check us out at www.pucketproductions.com.